uh, we ready to get this started? Let's get this freaking bad boy going. I just want you to remember, you know, this is this is a very solemn episode because it's an end, but it's not really an end, but it's still, this is a transition point for us. Killraven's been very good to us, so this is a bit of a solemn occasion, so let's keep that in mind. Okay. <laughs> Solemn. Very solemn. Solemn. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm coming to you from deep underground in the Comic Book Dungeon. And my name is Cruz, and I'm coming to you from the Arctic wastelands of the Wolf Spider Arena. Oh, man, I enjoy you being back in the uh, the comic book, uh, or the deadly uh, Wolf Spider Arena. You started there, and now we're finishing the Kill Raven run with you there. There's, a, there's some good... Good symmetry. It, yeah, exactly. It's symmetrical. And, and I, I do like the Wolf Spider Arena because I can actually speak the fuck up in here. Yeah, nobody nobody wants you whispering on a podcast. We want to hear the yeah. velvety tones. Yeah, exactly. I, and, I, I, and I like to be able to laugh out loud and like randomly curse and shit without worrying about corrupting my children who probably have fouler mouths than mine. I was going to say, I mean, because they're in middle school now, right? Yeah, the old this too so yeah so yeah yeah definitely it, and it is uh uh mind you so temperature check uh yeah we're looking at a lovely uh hmm, a, a lovely 31 degrees in the wolf spider arena oh shit are you serious uh dude i am as serious as an over fucking grown 42 year old in uh a pair of insulated bib overalls and a freaking winter jacket man I, I gotta say, I, I you you have my my sympathy. My commitment is second to none here. <laughs> I think the listeners appreciate it, cause man, we since we've come back, our listenership has been growing. But the last few weeks, man, we have been kicking ass. So oh, yeah, it's people or maybe some bots or something. Whatever the fuck it is, something's tuning in. A lot of somethings, and we appreciate it. Bots, we salute you. Oh, something that, some housekeeping, something that we talked about uh, before we got on the air. People might notice I haven't been plugging comicbookdungeonpodcast.com lately, and that's because uh, I I, I stopped paying on the website. So we're back to just our Podient page. But if you go to comicbookdungeonpodcast.podient.co, and Podient is P-O-D-I-A-N-T, and I'll put this in the show notes, like a uh, link that you can click through. But if you... Go to the individual episodes there. I set it up uh, last month to have discuss on there, which means you can leave comments on the individual episodes. And if you leave comments, it will send uh, us an email that we got a comment, so we'll comment back. So you can email us at comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com, or you can just click on the, uh, the uh, go to our website and leave comments on the actual episode, and we will get back to you. So it's that easy. There's a plethora of ways to tell us how much you love us, how much you hate us, or somewhere in between. Yes. Or how 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 indifferent to us you are. <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> I am completely indifferent to this podcast, yet I am still listening for reasons that are not clear to me. 
Exactly. You know, just leave like leave a rating of meh. <laughs> uh, I, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> I hated this episode, but I was too lazy to turn it off, and it was auto downloading. And I've just I've been too. It's not bad enough for me to stop. Yeah. But I'm not you like, like that. It's like uh, the only reason I play your episodes is because it has a sophomoric effect on me and it makes me go to sleep. I was about to say, it puts me to sleep at night. Exactly. Hey, I would take that. I would be more than happy to be the person that tucks you in and puts you to sleep at night. That hey. is in no way, shape, or form creepery. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So. Word on the street is that you you had a new segment that you wanted to uh, unveil this evening. This fine. Oh, oh man, jeez, man, way to put me on the fucking spot right away. <laughs> <sighs> so okay, so 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 your boy Cruz here uh, has decided that he needs more social interaction, and uh, is go he decided he wants to make a little extra, you know, a little side hustle going on. Uh, so in order to do that, I decided to pimp myself out of it, uh, mainly pimp myself and my car out. So I've been Ubering on the side. Really? Oh yeah. Just a little bit because, okay. So like I am my commute, I have a two hour commute and fuel, it gets a little crazy. So I'm, I'm trying to min max the crap out of this. So I'm Ubering as I go home. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and it, it, for the most part, it does pay for fuel. So, you know, whatever. And you meet some interesting people. <laughs> um, so, so as of this week, uh, you know, uh, Uber confessionals, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I have met in mind you fuck all you people that don't tip. Um, uh, the more memorable ones I've had so far this week was, uh, uh, I got introduced to the term TikTok boys, which are you familiar with TikTok? It, this it, is going to make this old. It, it's an app of some sort that the, the the kids are using. Does it send yeah. like videos that are only good for a certain amount of time? Is that is that S- sort of? I'm I don't know if it's like the Snapchat with videos or what, but it's like mainly it's like kids making their own little music videos and shit. As far as I know. And I, 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 I picked fuck? up this, yeah, I picked up this chick, you know, and, and she couldn't have been older than fucking like early twenties or so. All right. And, and as, I like where as, this is as happens, as, as it, shut up, <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she was, she was an attractive young lady. I'll say that. But I anyways, like where this is going. as people tend to do, uh, she was fucking talking on her fucking phone the entire time she was in the car. But while she's doing this, I can't help but hear this shit. And this, God, this, I, okay, I normally really do not want to, I don't like to talk down about millennials because I realize that our parents, the boomer generation, fucked them over uh, pretty badly. But this chick was like every negative stereotype about millennials was this chick. Like, all she could do was just bitch and moan about how how oh, I don't want to fall in every time I have a male roommate I fall in love with him and he breaks my heart <laughs> or I don't know why I can't keep a relationship 
what do you mean I only go after famous guys? This is in L.A., mind you. And, and and I'm like, what? This chick's like freaking out, like hounding the fucking, you know, the, the stars or something? No. She's like, I just go after TikTok boys. TikTok boys. The fuck is a TikTok boy? I, I guess it's someone of middling fame on TikTok, which if that qualifies as famous, okay. I, I can't believe that that has like a, a name. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. It, oh, man. This is so this chick uh i i was just like if if you just found like a dude off the street they'd probably take really great care of you <laughs> and, until your freaking motley crew of fucking neuroses and issues fucking came to the fore and drove that person away uh so yeah so there's that chick and and then okay are you a fan of king of the hill um just just let me just interject real quick i i just i found on google what is a TikTok boy? A stereotypical e-boy, which I've never heard of before, can be found on Instagram or TikTok wearing skater clothes, nail polish, and a single dangly earring with his hair parted down the middle. He likely seeks attention of e-girls. An e-girl is a girl or woman who has an online persona. This is... I have never felt more out of touch than I do. I don't know what any of that means. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, boy dude yeah i guess i guess having teenage you know pre-teenage daughters has kept me more in the loop because yeah i'm familiar with the term e-girl and thoughts and uh freaking and you know i know about the tiktoks and everything uh yeah 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 disco girls have you heard of disco girls i have not oh yeah google that one that's fucking funny i assume these are girls or women who are into star trek discovery is that is that not what that means <laughs> Uh no, it's okay. it's Visco, which means oh, it's a it's a filter on Instagram, uh, and uh, it it it's like these chicks that wear really short shorts, oversized t-shirts, and have like this weird love of scrunchies, and and they say and I oops, I don't know. You made that up. I did not. You can Google this shit. <laughs> When I was, like, a teenager, I was annoyed by other teenagers and by, the, like, teenage fads and teenage slang. So as I've gotten older, that is just, I mean, I was baffled by that shit when I was in middle school and high school. And just this, it, it has gotten just more impenetrable to me as I've grown older. Yeah, see, I, I have, I, I don't want to be that guy that doesn't know. So I, I try to stay as clued in as possible through my daughters about what all this shit is. And they 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 take they take great joy in informing me what this shit is, just so that they have a clear means of expressing their disdain for it. Well, that's good. I, it's yeah. always good when kids don't feel like they have to hop on like weird fads just to be like everybody else does. Yeah, show some individualism. So yeah, I guess I'll call her the e girl. Um, the other one I got was uh. If you're a fan of King of the Hill, and uh, what's his next door neighbor's name? Khan? Yeah. Okay. It, this is one thing Uber has taught me. Stereotypes are rooted very firmly in reality. Because I got the stereotypical, and, and God, I, I th this is in no way, shape, or form prejudicial or racist in any way. This is factual, objective fucking reporting here. He was con. 
you're saying he was he was who? He was Khan from King of the Hill. He was Khan! <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Khan! Just yeah, wanted to yeah. make sure we were we were clear. Yeah, yeah, you no, you know, yeah. This dude and it was it was funny because he was this he I, I can only guess from the accent, and this is a wild guess. Uh, someone of Vietnamese or that kind of that that Pacific slice of Asian descent. Uh, he was a Beverly Hills lawyer. Okay. And uh, this dude, I'm not even gonna try to fucking do the. I mean, I could try, and it might make it funnier. But uh, the dude, this guy was just, uh, God. He 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 was just a, a seething, rage-filled little ball of uh, of anti-entitlement about everybody else, and all he did was bitch about his sister's kids still living at home in their thirties for a fifteen-minute ride. <laughs> I could not wait to get this guy out of the car. <laughs> so I. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna do it, but it's, I'm, I'm gonna try to do it. It's, it's just like I can't believe this sister-in-law of mine, her kids they still live at home. This she's still paying for these little shits. They need to get up and get a job. I pulled out of my parents' house, so I got a job, became lawyer. These kids they sit at home and they get DUIs, and she pays for them. The stupid bitch. This is my sister. And I'm just sitting there like, oh fuck, what in the fuck is going on here? Oh yeah. I don't know if we can keep that in the show. <laughs> I am not making a caricature out of this at all. I, 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 okay. So one of the things I really think I need to do is get a dash cam that has a forward and, and rearward racing, uh, facing camera just so I can record this shit. I'm not sure if we can keep that in the show. <laughs> Cut it then. <laughs> this is how I define unwanted. <laughs> oh, dude, this is this fucking truth, man. Man, <laughs> I enjoy this segment of the show, though. I I, I want to hear more about your Uber adventures. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna keep, I'm probably gonna be trolling out in L.A. tomorrow night just for grins and giggles. Um. I listened to a podcast several months ago. It's probably a year ago now that had uh, uh, Patton Oswalt guest starring. And I mean, he talked about that this is the reality for so many Americans now. Americans don't have a job. Americans have jobs. And when you're not working, yeah. your car is your taxi and your house is a hotel because that is how you survive in uh, modern America. Yeah, it's it's the gig economy now. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. That's yeah. It's the gig economy. Oh, we've got fucking a hundred thousand new jobs. Yeah, they're all fucking like, okay, like forty thousand of these fuckers are the people that were on strike for GM and they got back to work and they're counting that as new jobs. And everybody else is just fucking finding ways of getting some extra scratch to fucking make ends meet. Just so everyone's clear, gig economy. Cruz just made that up. That is that with comic book dungeon. Cruz just made up that term. Uh, no, I, I think I first heard it uh, actually just on, now uh, on this podcast uh, on on our on our on our fucking uh, on our mutually shared fucking uh, favorite podcast uh, fucking cognitive dissonance. 
Cog this fucking has has used that fucking uh, term quite a bit. I'm, I'm trying to class this up a little bit. <sighs> okay, edit that shit out too. <laughs> Man, I, I do look forward to more of your uh, more of your 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 adventures, and I think that this is just the beginning. Oh, I think this is just the beginning too, because. This can only get interesting, more interesting, because I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm commuting all the way out to Valencia and back, and I'm commuting down to Santa Monica and back every day. So I'm bound to get something interesting out of this shit. Agreed. That and ladies, you don't need to drown yourself in fucking perfume. Maybe Trust if you're me. an e girl. Well, you know what? The e girl did have a lot of perfume on her. Uh, the three British chicks had way more. Or maybe it's because there were three of them. Yeah, yeah, that that would make sense. It did kind of flood. I it, dude, I had to <laughs> fucking roll the windows down after I dropped them off. Like it overwhelmed a brand new fucking little tree air freshener. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, <laughs> moving on. So, what have you been up to? Uh, been reading. Uh, been in the uh, War of the Realms. Read a couple really good Immortal Hulks this evening. Uh, we were talking about it after we recorded our Star Trek, uh, the first or part of our Star Trek episode, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, we I picked up the entire run of Battlestar Galactica and been experimenting with different ways to uh, scan that up so you and me could share it for nice. uh, the show. So um, excited! The new uh, new Marvel content, the new X Men pack comes out. And Cable's a DLC, uh, is one of the DLC characters for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I've been playing on my Switch. Uh, I've been playing Mortal Kombat. Uh, before the show, we talked about the how fun the new Terminator uh, <laughs> DLC was. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, we haven't talked about this on the air. Uh, my wife is pregnant with twins, and I'm freaking the fuck out over it. So that, that's going You on. went public?! Well, we will go public by the time that this episode airs. The The family will know. Uh, we're telling them on Christmas. Breaking news, folks. You hear it here first, even though you'll hear it here later. So, uh, <laughs> what's uh, what's going on with you? Uh, as for me, uh, usual destiny, destiny, destiny. Um, I did... Wasn't uh, that the, said, the, 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 the woman from the Uber? She was destined... That, that was her name, correct? She, she could have been. E-Girl um, Destiny? E-Girl Destiny. Um, we sound 100 right now, but I'm sorry. I'm not interrupting. <laughs> um, you, you, uh, you, earlier before, you, you said something about fan service and that triggered a, 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 oh shit, I just remembered something moment and I I held on to it because I wanted to save it for this part. Um, I, I saw uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. The, um, the what? Jay and Silent Bob reboot. That's a movie? Yes. Oh. So Kevin Smith, uh, after, so, okay. So like two years ago, my, uh, my, my, my British mate that lives out here in the neighborhood with me, he and I went down to go watch Kevin Smith film, uh, a special for Comedy Central. And he, he was doing a stand up set. And as he was doing the stand-up set, he started looking really sickly. You know, he was looking like the fat man had been walking back and forth across the stage for way too long, and he needed to sit down. 
Well, we went out, we finished the show, went out to grab something to eat, and as we were walking by the theater again on the way to the car, we saw Kevin Smith getting carted off into the back of a fucking ambulance because he just had a heart attack. So if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you've got the, the, the framework of timing here. Now, fast forward two years later, uh, you know, he was already working on this movie at the time, but he finally released it. And Smith is, you know, number one, he is a huge comic book nerd. Number two, um, <clears throat> he is a very fiercely independent filmmaker these days. So the way he's been releasing the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie is he's, he's doing a roadshow. So he'll go to a new city. He'll screen the movie and then he'll release the movie to theaters in that city after he does the initial screening. That's kind of cool. Right. <clears throat> well, my, my buddy, uh, my buddy James, the, the Englishman, uh, since he and I are both lifelong fucking Kevin Smith fans, about four months ago while I was on the road for, for work traveling, he calls me up and he says, you know, he says, I'm not even going to try to do the accent because then you'll cut it out of the show. (laughs) Yeah, he calls me up and he's like, he's like, hey, mate, uh, I've got. uh, How how would you like to go watch uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot premiere screening for our city? And I was like, fuck, yeah, that sounds good. But I don't know if I'm going to be available or not because of the way my work schedule was going and I was traveling all over the place. He's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to get tickets. If you can't make it, I'll scalp it. I was like, fuck yeah, cool. So time passes. Here we go. We go to the show. And uh, this was last weekend okay. uh, where he was opening it up in L.A. Uh, so we were we, we got to see the premiere screening. Um, and, you know, Smith comes out, fucking does a little speech. God, that motherfucker can talk. Yeah. Uh, he, he gives a little little pep talk, shows a couple commercials for the show that he did with Audible, and then breaks out the movie. And before he broke out the movie, he 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 was very upfront and honest that this was just him masturbating the ever living fuck out of his ego. You know, he was, he, this was just like you know he fucking almost died, and he actually had died for a couple of seconds there. Oh shit. And, uh, you know, this was just like his fucking hurrah. I'm still alive. I want to go play with my friends again. And, and yeah, he, he, so, you know, he was already, he already started writing this movie. Well, that, that heart attack and his recovery was the impetus for him to freaking go balls out and fucking make this, you know, and it was 100% a fucking, I, I, if there was an ode to fan service movies, this is it. And not only that, it was, it, it was, it was this just colossal, I mean, giant fucking theater full of people who were all there because, you know, they were willing to fucking pay a premium to go watch this shit. And also do, because afterwards you had a Q and a with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes and a couple of the other people in the movie, but they were all people that really loved this shit that really knew, knew this, you know, the view askew universe that he created starting with clerks all the way through fucking, uh, the Jane and silent Bob movies. Yeah. 
they, you know, these were people that were intimately familiar with the material, really liked what Smith was doing, you know, listened to his podcast, listened to, you know, fucking like comic book man. Ming Chen was in there in that movie too. Um, so like, if you're going to pretty much self-fillate yourself, this was the audience to do it in front of. Because they would root you on. <laughs> I, I get it. Doing something, just you want to hang out with your friends and not care if anybody else enjoys it. That's the soul. I mean, that that's that's what the combo dungeon is. So <laughs> exactly. Well, but yeah, this this was like on a this was on a, such a huge scale because like, I the only the okay. So watching this watching this movie and in number one, yeah, it, it is it is so much fan service, but it was actually a really funny movie and it also had a little bit of commentary on how Hollywood just pretty much takes any sort of fucking intellectual property and fucking tweaks it a little bit, slaps a new fucking shrink wrap packaging on it and delivers it to the masses saying, Look at this, it's new. Yeah. Um it, it there was a big commentary on that for the first forty five minutes before you could tell they were just like, Okay, this joke has been over fucking done. And they just moved on with the show and actually progressed a, a, a plot line, but but um the atmosphere for this thing, and he said it's like this, you know, he'd done sixty of these fucking premieres around the world to date so far, and he's like, it's it's the same in every city. This doesn't feel like I'm premiering a movie. This feels like I'm going to a fucking Rocky Horror Picture Show <laughs> because the audience reactions were consistent everywhere he went where where every time there was a, a character entrance you know cuz it it, it it tied together damn near every movie in that universe from i mean you had characters from clerks from fucking mallrats from fucking dogma, from chasing Amy, from fuck every fucking thing that he's done in that little, in that that little view askew universe of his, someone made a fucking uh, a showing. I mean, fucking Matt Damon was in there. Affleck was in there. Even though Affleck was added last minute, he told the story behind that, which is really cool. Um, but just the crowd reactions and you could see, you know, he, he'd tell you guys, like, if you felt this creepy fucking feeling like some perv is behind you watching you, that's because Kevin was running around the audience and he would, he, he, he would literally have a camcorder and he, or, you know, camcorder phone, whatever the fuck, God, I'm old. Uh, and he would record reactions just to send to, and, you know, the different stars in the movie just to be like, Hey, these fuckers loved you. So yeah, he would watch the movie with everybody at every single premiere. That's like he would, neat. yeah, he wouldn't. He yeah, he's he's like, dude, he's like, I'm I'm not gonna fucking duck back into the green room and just fucking hang out here for an hour and a half. It's like, fuck it, I came here. You know, you guys paid to fucking be here and screen the movie with me here. So I'm gonna be running around the audience. I might fucking sit down next to you. I might sit down on you. I'll take some of your popcorn, drink some of your soda. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, yeah, it was it was it was a fucking really great show. I I had a blast with the movie. Uh, there were so many great callbacks, uh, and it actually, um, because I I I followed uh, you know Kevin and Jason Hughes for for years, fucking decades now. But um, it 
it, 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 it was, it was, it was almost touching, you know, it, it, it was just fucking a phenomenal thing where he just wanted to do something fun and wanted to self fund it and actually managed to find a backdoor way into getting all the characters that weren't really licensed to him. Cause like he only has the rights to Jay and silent Bob, some of the shit from Mall rats and clerks and all that, that are licensed to Miramax. So he fucking found a backdoor way of kind of getting in and being able to use those characters without getting sued. Um, and he went into that afterwards, but, uh, yeah, dude, I, just the atmosphere was fucking so awesome. It was like a giant party, man. And you better have been feeling good because it fucking cost like 30 bucks just for the popcorn and a beer. <clears throat> it sounds like it was pretty fun, though. It was fun. It was it was done at the old uh, Ace Theater. Uh, yeah, Ace Theater and Hotel, downtown L.A. Uh, beautiful theater. Um, actually, I did post a picture on my Insta. I think I'm going to put it on the comic book dungeon one, too. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it reminded me of that time we kind of, we did the fucking, the Star Trek marathon, you know, and I kind of miss fucking doing that shit. Cause I don't take advantage of the fact that I live next to a major city where I can do that shit. And I still want to see Robocop the musical. <laughs> I got bad news for you. They canceled it. Are they done with it? I, I, I'm meaning to like contact the people cause they didn't do it like last year or this year. And Evil Dead always does Detroit, and this was the last year because they lost the venue. But uh, I definitely, I, the thing I miss most about living out in California was the New Beverly and just how many like retro showings of shit there was. Those things are few and far between out here in uh, the Midwest. So um, on that note also, um, so yeah, we did that. They had a Q&A afterwards and everything. It was really cool. Um Speaking of retro shit and going back to my father-in-law, <clears throat> oh, did you ever come over to to, to their place during the holidays? Uh, I don't believe so. So, um, <clears throat> my 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 late father-in-law was definitely a man of tradition, and uh, you know whatever faults uh, I may have found in him. Uh, one thing that was definitely very consistent with him was he did like the big family gatherings and he did like seeing the family get together. Yeah. And, and he had certain things that he really liked to do during the holidays. And one of them was without fail over the course of the last damn near 20 years, every time, yeah, right uh, right after Thanksgiving when we would break out the tree and freaking decorate it, the whole family would watch uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Every year. And, and gradually, you know, it became, you know, and, and I, will, I, will, I, will, I will admit to this, it became less and less of watching the movie as just having it in the background. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, but, you know, with, with this passing this year, I suggested uh, I, I saw an ad and I suggested it to my mother-in-law that we all, all go watch uh, Christmas Vacation in the theaters and actually watch the movie. It's a good idea. So we went, we did that um, Wednesday. So like two days ago, we all went out and we, we watched that. Uh, we watched a fucking 25 year old movie uh, on the big screen and, and actually sat through it and paid attention to it. 
which, fuck, there's a lot of cursing. Oh, it's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, you know what? There is there there is. Uh, yeah, the, you know, it was maybe not definitely PG thirteen. Uh, having my six year old in the audience, I was kind of like, oh fuck. <laughs> uh, there is definitely a little more a little more uh, sexual humor in some of it than I had recalled. That's the great thing, though, if you watch a movie like that with a little kid, because you're like, you're, you're like the whole time, like, oh, God, this is uncomfortable because of like this boner joke. But with a kid that young, it just flies over their head like that was weird. I don't know what that meant. I'm going to clue in on this next thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was it was funny to watch it and everything. Uh, it was it was it was nice to do that with the uh, the, the family and the in-laws and everything and, and enjoy that. So that that was the extent of my movie theater going. Uh, I am super looking forward to. Oh yeah, I did watch a couple episodes of Gargoyles. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. Oh god, man, the music. I fucking love that intro fucking song. Yeah, I, I spliced it into the last episode. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I heard. I, I gave that one a listen when it dropped. Um. So I watched a couple episodes of that, which, uh, God, that that show was so fucking ahead of its time. Oh, absolutely. And uh, also, uh, last night, as a matter of fact, uh, myself and my eldest two, uh, we we binge watched like the not the last episode, not the finale, but the four episodes leading up to it for uh, Avatar, uh, the last Airbender. Uh, which I, I I was thrilled with because one of my episode favorite episodes is in there, and also uh, interesting freaking character development with one of the one of the what you would call well actually both two of what you would have called thought were the villains kind of you know how they how they changed their had a change of heart as they saw that their freaking uh, leader was just becoming more and more unhinged. Uh, and I and I like watching that with uh, my kids because I get to watch their reactions to it because they they they've really fallen into how good the character development is in that show. Yeah, but don't you think that's a bit unrealistic when uh, people in real life, when their leader becomes more and more unhitch unhinged, they just keep doubling down and doubling down. That's that's modern day politics where fucking you just get. <laughs> I don't know what you're that's, referring to. That's just our current reality right now, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, done that. I'm looking forward. I still have not popped my fucking Mandalorian cherry, which uh, I would plan to do hopefully this weekend sometime before the new year, please. Um, that and I remembered, uh, and I don't know if you'd be into it or not, but The Witcher just released on Netflix today. Yeah, uh, I saw that. It, it's I have a lot that uh, like we're watching together, my wife and I, so that will probably uh, take us a while to get to. But yeah, uh, I'm sure that that's gonna make the list. Yeah, I I I was not the hugest Witcher fan. Uh, I played Witcher three and fell in love with the fucking world that it's set in and, and the depth of story behind it. 
I have not read any of the books, but I am planning on picking them up because the the show is more based on the books than the games, even though characters cross pollinate between the two mediums, yeah, or between the three mediums at this point. But uh, everything I've heard so far is that uh, Henry Cavill is fucking killing it as Geralt, and I am so interested to fucking watch this, especially now that you know I'm pretty much finished up Game of Thrones fucking like six, eight months ago. Yeah, I, uh, I'll give that a, a a watch. I just picked up on a sale a couple of weeks ago The Witcher 1 and 2 on uh, Steam because I wanted to kind of play those a little bit before I got heavy into 3, even though I know you don't need to. But yeah, I it, it, the world looks pretty awesome. The world is great. I will tell you... Uh, the UI and how you do shit in one and two are a lot clunkier than three. So they're more like Borderlands three, is what you're saying? Zing, zing. Um, it's more. Let me think about it. The the UI and the way you prep for everything in Witcher one and two is more like playing Mass Effect one compared to mass effect 2 gotcha it yeah it, it's wisher 3 is definitely way more streamlined it's still fucking incredibly rich and like there is enough shit to to give someone like me fucking inventory analysis paralysis um but wisher 3 is definitely a little more approachable for being able to get in there and play the game without having to fucking go just insane researching everything you need to do in order to be to, to min max it so it's three is a little more user-friendly uh one and two though are are still really good it's it's just a little clunky to to get around and there's a lot more prep work involved in facing encounters yeah uh I was a little disappointed that I saw The Witcher 3 came out for Switch because I have it on PS4 and I'd much rather have it on Switch, even though I heard it's they made a lot of uh, compromises to get it to, to fit on the Switch. I'd still like to have it in that portable uh, fashion. But I Yeah, I think you'd probably enjoy it way more on the Switch. I'm waiting to get the Android 10 update so I can start streaming on my phone. I've been... Uh, I'm on, like, the beta test for the Xbox One streaming, and it kicks so much ass. Like, I love, uh, I've been playing uh, Gears of War 4 uh, over my phone, and uh, I've been digging that. Nice. Um, Just a little bit, one last housekeeping item, because it's Killraven related. I've been watching uh, the Venture Brothers on the treadmill doing a rewatch, and there's a individual heavily into cloning who has a little almost caveman ape looking dude named Rico and I couldn't find anything online but Rico I'm because a lot of stuff on the Venture Brothers is based off of Marvel comics and I think specifically like late 70s early 80s Marvel for like the age of the guys who who created it I'm wondering if Rico is based or partially based off of uh, Grok from uh, the this, this Killraven run be interesting. I Could should be. send them a message and see if I get a response. I probably won't, but that would be uh, that'd be interesting. Um, are we ready to get into this uh, this issue? 
um, let us delve into the swan song that is the final issue of Amazing Adventures. Yeah, I, uh, I think this is going to be a little bit different than we normally do. This, uh, I don't think a lot action-wise happens in this issue, but it was a, it was a pretty heavy issue, and I can't wait to uh, discuss this. I had to, I read this one. I mean, I always read the these a few times, but I had to read parts over and over and over again because I, after what happened with the uh, Dream Astronaut last issue, and I felt like I kind of dropped the ball a little bit in uh, my uh, analysis. I tried to make up for it in this one. So I'm excited to talk about my uh, my theories. I am excited to hear them. Uh, this was... Uh, this was... Uh, I... Oh, man. I... I, I oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's... Let, let's let's get into it because I I've got feelings about this one, and I just I just haven't really parsed out how to how to how to say them. Yeah, uh, this is Amazing Adventures uh, featuring War of the Worlds starring Kill Raven. This is issue thirty nine with a cover price of thirty cents, and this is from November of nineteen seventy six. Uh, Don McGregor author, Craig Russell artist, G Russo's colorist. I Watanabe letterer and Archie Goodwin is our esteemed editor. Yeet, yeet. Um, how do you feel about this cover? Lies. Yes, I hate this fucking cover. This is all, it's all bullshit. This cover has Lies. nothing to do with this issue. Nothing. Zero. Zero. <laughs> Absolutely zero. This cover gives you so much hope that you're going to see something grand and bombastic fucking nestled within the pages here. And it lied to you. It is It is nothing but lies on this fucking cover. It is. This, this, this is the I had the biggest inauguration cover. <laughs> that's, that's a, I mean, that's a good, uh, that's a, that's a good comparison. So we have the free men on the cover and these like triumphant poses and old skulls holding a giant free earth flag. And, uh, we have, they stand alone in earth's darkest hour, the final glory. There is no final glory. There is no earth's darkest hour and there is no free fucking earth. I mean, this whole heroic pose, like they just won a great victory. None of this fucking happens. No, none of it. This, 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 this cover is like a fucking fever dream of kill ravens after getting whacked in the back of the fucking head one too many times yeah coconut fell on his head and he dreamed this exactly yeah i don't know where this shit came from it's it's it, it no it's not real i can it's tell you, this is not real i can tell you where it didn't come from is yellowstone national fucking park because he Fuck never that, gets there you're damn right he never gets his sorry asses there. Do you there. think that there's another issue where Kill Raven is there, and that was what they planned this on, but he just never got around to getting there, so this was, like, the story they had to... Well, since he never got off his ass to, to, to finish this plot point, this is what we had to go with. But, uh, I don't know. I just... Like you said, this is nothing... This is a thousand lies. This this cover is a thousand lies. The, uh, the, 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 there is not... Uh, other than the characters in the Serpent Stallion, there is not a single fucking grain of truth demonstrated on this cover here. Agreed. 
I mean, everybody's looking badass as fuck. Okay, so, all right, look. I'm going to level with you here, all right? A- after getting over the inherent fucking dissembling that is present on this cover. Now, without knowing what's inside, looking at this cover on its own merits, it's fucking beautiful cover. The artwork is amazing. I agree. And, and I got to say, uh, a lot of the artwork within, I, I think, is probably some of the best artwork we've seen in the series. Absolutely. But, still fucking lie. I'm still a little bent out of shape over that. But still, this cover is fucking phenomenal. I mean, you've got... This could be a fucking heavy metal fucking album cover, okay? Fun fact, is Greg Russell the artist? Uh, And he's been the artist on several of these. This is really his first real comic book-like artist assignment. And, uh, I mean, he was very proud of his work on the Kill Raven series, or the Amazing Adventure series in particular. Well, this, yeah, this, like, this was in, like, a a late 70s, early 80s fucking metal band's fucking cover. I mean, you've got the fucking metal serpent stallion fucking, like, up on its fucking hind legs, rearing. You've got Killraven just looking like a fucking Conan, like, Conan-esque fucking barbarian fucking warrior fucking sword in hand reining back the fucking horse as you know the stallion as it's rearing mishula is just looking like he's got a fucking itch in the middle of his back that he really needs to scratch and old skull old old skull is is now that i t- now that i look closer he's he, he he's he's just sitting there with his free earth flag with a vacant and, stare no no this is not a vacant stare this is a stare of fucking just idolizing worship as he's looking at kill raven <laughs> i mean you look you follow the gaze of you follow his eye lines he is staring at kr just like fucking worshiping him there i can see that yeah but he's looking really badass while he's doing it it's a it's a great cover except for like you said the dishonesty Yes, so now that we can move. And the price went up five cents. What the fuck? Oh, well, they, they, uh, because of the, the, this is the the conclusion of the, 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 the the Earth War, the Earth Martian War, allegedly. So yeah, we needed to pay that extra nickel to figure out what happened. Uh, well, yeah, it was a nickel for fucking lies. Yes. It's the lie tax. (laughs) Exactly. It was the lie tax. Cocksuckers. So ah. we open up on Okie Pinoki Swamp, Florida. Huh? What? Where? Well, are we back in Okie Pinoki again? Yeah, in uh, January of 2020. So he's a uh, he's uh the Kill Raven and the Freeman are still in the swamp, and uh, this page. Uh, I I like the spread and I like the more the the name of this issue is Morning Prey. And it's morning as in I'm mourning someone or something, not like I get up in the morning. But we're going to talk about that later because that plays into the metaphor. Yes. Um, it's a cool cover. I like that you have the like the, the negative space and you just have this middle line of, of Killraven up 
going through the swamp, and he's very much in this defensive pose. He's got his blaster out. He's got his sword out. Uh, he's he's ready for action. Yep. Um, the caption boxes we get on this page are very important. Um, talks about how the world is an endless mar- marsh, night dark and bitter. Uh, it can feel like that's all there is to the world. Morning gray touches the cypress. It's talking about this transition from this endless night to the morning and how the morning future can seem empty and dead. So this is very important. The, the imagery here of night giving away this endless bitter night giving away to morning. And I'm going to get into what that, the metaphor of that, because there's two central metaphors in this issue, morning or night into morning and uh, a caterpillar into a butterfly. And so I'm going to get it more into that later. I just want right. those in your head. Yes, and they, they, they also remain consistent throughout the tale. Um, we turn the page. We've got Killraven. Again, he's uh, going through the swamp, and we see that he's by himself, and he's looking for the rest of the Freemen. Yeah, apparently he uh, he's lost them. And uh, I don't know. Well, let's see what happened to him. So as he's going through the swamp, we see he finds his serpent stallion, the big bird ostrich-looking thing that Meshula rides, and then the cougar rhinoceros that was uh, the uh, the mount for uh, uh, Camilla Frost. Right, but the uh, the coug- the cougar's uh, yeah, it, it's 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 kind of dead. Uh, yeah, it's it's dead. It's lying on the ground, and we learn that it was killed by uh, acid. Ooh, bum bum bum. Which it just it seems weird that it would sit there and kind of take that acid attack to the point that it would die. I don't think it really had much of a choice. Yeah, which we'll get more into how that that acid works here in a minute. Yeah. So at this point. Kill Raven. Uh, he's panicked because uh, 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 the death of this uh, of uh, this uh, this uh, this mount, and so now he's he's panicked, trying to find the the free men. Right, he's just scampering off into the freaking swamplands, and he happens upon his mud brother. Uh, and at first, he thinks he thinks Mishula is dead, and uh, he he you know checks the pulse, feels that he's still there, and. Proceeds to uh, wake him up by, uh, I don't know, slapping him around. <laughs> well, I think that's. I think he. Yeah, it looks like he he because uh, he's on the shore by the swamp, so it looks like he's dipping his head underwater to wake him up. Perhaps, yeah. So, yeah. yeah so we have a uh, kill raven uh, finding Mashula. Mashula wakes up, but they're trying to find the rest of the uh, the kill. Uh, not just the free men, but we learn that they had two guides from the. Uh, uh, from two episodes ago, or two issues ago, where uh, Kill Raven found those uh, that group of individuals living in the swamp, the uh, yep. yeah Huey and Louie had come with yep. them as guides, and so they're missing as well. Yep, they did mention uh, our our good buddy uh, Brother Axe. Yes, so Brother Axe's people had uh, he Brother Axe had loaned them two people to get through the swamp. Right, so this begs the question. Uh, but these guys go to Miami together or something, or or, or what's up? Because he ended up in Miami the previous issue. So yeah, what what happened was because it was just Kill Raven who went to Miami. 
he had left the rest of the Freemason behind when he scout was scouting ahead. So I assume those guys were with the the, the rest of the Freemen waiting for Kill Raven to come back. Fair enough. Um, and this is something that when we turn the page, um, well, we learn on the bottom of this page that uh, the enemy that they're facing, the danger that they're facing, uh, it's by someone that they have taken to calling uh, what was it uh, morning, morning prayer. Pray. Yeah, yes. which is the title of the issue. So then the next page, and this is something that the issue uh, uh, did a lot of. They do a flashback, and they do a lot of this flashing between like the events that got them here and the present. And that plays, I think, with the theme of night and morning and that transition. And we, yes. we kind of see that a lot through the issue that Kill Raven will be in like a not like say a trance, but in the heat of battle or something, and his mind is kind of flipping back and forth. And normally in a, a comic, they do a they let you know that there's like a scene there, like we're going from this time to this time, and it was very fluid in this issue, which kind of added to that psychedelic quality of it. Yeah, um, I think the the only way they've really differentiated that uh, is when they transition back and forth you'll you'll notice on a lot of the panels they use softer corners and that's the only thing that really sets it apart that's a good point <clears throat> that that's the only thing i could tell that kind of clues you in the other other than contextualizing what's going on uh the only like visual indication that it's a flashback sequence is when you look at the panels you'll you'll see that they have a softer corner on all of them yeah, that's a good visual, visual tell. Um, so we we flash back to the day before where they're just entering this part of the swamp. They're following Huey and uh, Louie, our two least favorite characters from that issue. They should have just brought the raccoon. Yes. Yeah, the raccoon would have been a better guide. And their way is barred with all this uh, webbing. And before you think that it's Spider-Man come back uh, like to, uh, to this time period, there's these just giant cocoons like webbed up in the middle of the swamp, barring their way. Yep. And uh, what's our boy freaking do to free? You know, what's his first response for how to clear a path? Let's just blast it. He blasts it, and a bunch of caterpillars rain down on them and start to like kind of curl on top of them, kind of attach themselves. So they start to kill these things as they're uh, being rained down upon them. And what do they see when this happens? Uh, up in the distance, in a tree, they see this beautiful butterfly-esque looking creature we get some some cool description here her eyes are a death a deathless black radiating pain the crest of her hair flutters swirling in a butterfly design much like her wings her emotions are elemental communicated without words yes so this would definitely imply some sort of empathic capability yes which yeah, that's further further on. It's some of that's clarified a bit. What I love is she's just sitting there fluttering, and her and uh, like like twenty feet off the ground, and her and Killraven, their eyes lock, and Killraven reaches for his uh his laser again, and they're just in this kind of standoff. But he uh, in the end, he decides not to not to shoot her, which is. We get a good bit of dialogue here that uh, uh, from Camilla Frost, and I think this is kind of relevant to the themes of this issue. And Camilla says, I almost thought you were going to kill her. 
Uh, and Kill Raven responds, One cannot kill everything one does not understand, can one, Miss Frost? Which she replies, I thought you'd never learn. And he says, Perhaps it was something I knew, but misplaced. Circumstance can do that. So I think that this is really showing kind of the evolution of, of Kill Raven that we've seen the last several issues where they're trying to show him as more thoughtful as a leader. Right. Yeah. Oh, is so hearkening back to uh, you know the the first issue. You know, he seems to be really thoughtful. You know, uh, if if you recall many moons ago when we first started this, Kilraven really seemed like a very introspective kind of a guy. And, and halfway through the story arc, he he just basically became a freaking. How can I say this? A um, rather gung ho, uh, all or nothing, uh, you know, black and white. You're either with the Martians or you're with us. Kind of a person. There was there was no gray. There's no there's no subtlety. There's no no subtle tones to to, to how his, his worldview was. And I, I think we're seeing that shift kind of into him having a more a more differentiated way of looking at things, a more graduated way of looking at things, I should say. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that that, uh, that definitely comes into play here uh, between him and this uh, butterfly person. Yeah. I thought it was on the, a couple pages uh, from where we are. Um, no, mm. we're, no, we're right on. Okay. Uh, so the next page... Um. We, we get interim one creation. Look at it out there in the night dark marsh. You see it. You've seen it before. Seen it and denied it. Denied its existence a thousand times. All the while knowing it is there. Caterpillars in your mind. Devouring reason. Deny it. Deny it again. And it will still be there come morning light. One of these days you'll just have to face it. So uh, we're almost to the page where I want to start dissecting the meaning of the the caterpillars the butterfly the morning and talking about morning the next caption box on the next page the morning after lightens around them the blood ripped from wounds received during the night hours dries uh, like mud right so yeah so so kill raven and freaking uh mishula are you know up and about and they're searching for uh, i guess their original campsite yeah, they're uh, they're trying to. At this point, uh, they're because we see on the bottom of that page the campsite that they uh, they were at that they were camping that night after their first encounter. So he's taking Mashula, who was wounded, and they're trying to get back there. Right, and it goes back to another flashback sequence to I guess the night before, uh, and uh, you've got a uh, Carm, Mashula, Killraven, and uh. Our favorite twosome, Huey and Louie. I'm, you know what? Instead of Huey and Louie, we could we just should have had the raccoon and a fucking big bottle of wine. It would have been way better. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, they're they're all hanging around the campfire and uh, they're discussing this uh, entity that they've spotted. Yes. They're they're talking about this entity they've seen, and they did make an interesting reference back to uh, Emmanuel the Emmanuel. The twenty-four uh, hour man, uh, and, and kind of what sort of uh, genetic carnage is going to be left behind by the Martian occupation? 
So yeah, this is really important here. So yeah, Cam uh, Camilla talks about that after the war, um, there's these new life forms that are going to be on the Earth, that the Earth isn't the same. And I think that that is central to the metaphor of this issue. So what we get is, and we get a lot of play with, I think you have yesterday, which was the world before. That was the world before the, the Martians came. The night is the struggle that Killraven is raging. And I think tomorrow is the, or not tomorrow, but morning, is what he's fighting for. Because a lot of this issue is about how weary Killraven is of fighting. And there's at one point he talks about he misses the concrete certainty when he first meets her if he doesn't know if he's a friend or foe. The Martians, it was very clear what is expected of him, what he's supposed to do. Um, she represents an unknown. And there's also a point where they talk about... Um, when she comes across the like the damage he did to the cocoon, her feelings about it and how it echoed the the feelings uh, that his ancestors must have felt. And again, I think that that is a that is symbolic. Uh, any, I, I was just looking for the panel. I, I, I couldn't uh, I, I couldn't find that exact quote. But uh, Killraven is talking about. I, I think what the the future or what the morning is and it keeps talking about this truth that he has to face i think it's about the uncertainty of tomorrow where you were talking about how in uh um introspective kill raven is he's somebody who's very much rooted in nostalgia that's kind of funny we were talking about that before we started recording but kill raven is a character who he keeps romanticizing the past and i think <laughs> where uh, a lot of these captions talk about Killraven, as much as he's tired of the night, he has like almost like a trepidation when it comes to the to, uh, the morning. I think a lot of that is there's no going back to yesterday. He's a character, this whole issue has been romanticizing the past. There is no going back to the past. That's done. So even though he's exhausted of the night, the morning is this uncertainty because like we, and I think this is very key, where Kamala or Cam, uh, Camilla is talking about uh, the 24-hour man and now this butterfly person. When they win, the, or if and when they win the Earth back, there's no going back. The Earth's infrastructure is destroyed. The ecosystem is radically changed. There is no going back. There is only moving forward and Kill Raven uncertain of what that future is going to be. Right. And I think that plays into the metaphor where they keep, we have those interludes that keep talking about the caterpillar and the butterfly. The caterpillar, I think, is the, the stage that he's at right now, this point of conflict. And the butterfly, and we'll get into this in the next, I, I think, little uh, uh, interlude they do, that the, the butterfly doesn't just represent, say, the future. I think it represents hope, and I think it's his... Uh, basically uh his hopes for the future and how that's possibly in doubt and his uncertainty of what that could possibly look like anyway fair enough fair enough might might i say uh on these number one th this dual page layout is pretty fucking gorgeous agreed and you know okay so Throughout this whole issue, a lot of the art is done with a lot of, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, it's done with a lot of love and care. 
you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting new poses for, for kill Raven, uh, that you don't, wouldn't normally see. They're a little bit above and beyond what, what we've been used to seeing out of him. Yeah. Uh, a lot of really great close-ups. Uh, this, uh, new entity, uh, the the close-ups and the interims the interludes with her are are pretty damn stellar and i mean some of the ones that are coming up are just fucking gorgeous man like poster worthy phenomenal art oh absolutely but uh, uh on on the panels here with this you know we're, we're we're honing in on karm and and kill raven this is the best looking karm they've done to date really far removed from when she first appeared well yeah when she first appeared she looked like a fucking anthropomorphic fucking femme doll that was ready to freaking give someone a blowjob uh at this juncture she she's looking like like like, dare i say like linda carta-esque a little bit i could see that uh you know i mean these are the you know it's a lot of attention to detail going on especially how tight some of these shots are getting on, on the faces. I mean, these are some great close-ups and a lot of awesome detail work. You know, the artwork was outstanding this issue. Yeah. It would have been better with a raccoon and a bottle of wine, though. <laughs> if he was just drunkenly leading them through the uh, the, the swamp and they kept going in circles. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I miss the raccoon, and Huey and Louie were my two least favorite characters from that issue. Oh, they were so annoying. Yeah, we definitely. I'm glad they don't have a big part in this. They're basically, I mean, they don't speak, which I, I but let's be thankful for that. They just kind of they're set dressing. <laughs> right. So, um, speaking of Huey and Louie, on the bottom of this uh, glorious two-page freaking layout here, we've got one huge. Uh, panel on the bottom that spans across both pages and it's Huey or Louie I don't know they're interchangeable fuck them wait hold on I've got twins I shouldn't say shit like that but anyways um, Huey or Louie I don't know as far as I'm concerned those two douchebags are interchangeable Uh, one of them uh, you know you get little shots of him wandering off into the trees and it looks like something bad is about to befall him and lo and behold this guy has like I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a phobia out there for this, uh, for a, a natural fear of butterflies. But uh, yeah, if if you have an unnatural fear of butterflies, you would not want to be this poor motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, he is just overrun. The she, but at her command, these butterflies are just engulfing the group. My question is, what the hell are they doing? Are they freaking beating him to death with their gossamer wings or what? I think they might be doing something with the acid. Yeah, the acid. Yeah. They're slowly digesting him. Yeah, so, because you see afterward, I mean, he's messed up. He looks like he's dead, but he's not. He's just horrifically injured. So is this like something like the fly, where like a fly, in order to digest his food, basically it vomits out some acid to start digesting it and then ingests it? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Okay, it's one of those little trivial things that I think I read somewhere that that's how a fly eats his food. So yeah. I believe you're correct. So while they're undergoing this attack, um, Killraven looks into um, at Morning Glory, and 
her wings turn into like these bleeding colors. It's almost like she she like mesmerizes him. So I'm okay. So going going back to like my freaking you know, uh, wild America freaking nature show shit. Like, don't butterflies do that? They have like these cool patterns on their wings, and then when they spread them, it like either warns off or distracts predators from eating them. Oh. Yes. Yeah. 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 Shot in the dark, going for it. Um. No, I agree. So yeah, she's got hypno wings, yo. Yeah, it, it's that, or it's like she's using her mind power because she definitely she has telekinetic abilities of some sort. Oh, maybe her wings have one of those patterns that like totally fucks with your <laughs> eyes, and then on top of that, she's giving him the psycho whammy. Um, I think she definitely is giving him the psycho whammy, and uh, it takes us to interim two metamorphosis. And I'm just gonna read this. Look at it out there in the sun slash trees. You've seen it. You've seen it before, though you've never really seen it. You acknowledge its existence and reluctantly grant it its beauty and pretend to care that you know it is there. Rather, butterflies than caterpillars. Banish the caterpillars. Replace them with delicate butterflies and delude yourself into believing you'll never have to face it. So I think the butterflies are represent again. It's it's not the the future like the morning is the future. I think the difference in this metaphor is. It's his hopes for the future, grounded in reality or not. And so when he's, she's talking about the sun, and basically it's coming up in the morning, that is representational of this future, which the future, if Killraven wins this war, again, it's, it's going to be this completely altered Earth, this, this completely letting go of the past on this uncharted course. So I think that's something for somebody like Killraven, who is romanticized the past, who he's made it very clear his idea of getting rid of the Martians is them reclaiming like their birthright as people kind of reclaiming that past. I mean, you can't just, I mean, the past is the past. There's no going back. Humanity is going to have a rough time trying to rebuild. And I think that that is kind of the truth that she's talking about, that he's deluding himself and doesn't want to face that. This is a landscape that's full of mutants and monsters and serpent stallions and weird 24 hour clone men and psychedelic like butterfly people. This is not his ancestors' earth that they're going to have to chart this this new course forward. And who knows how long it's going to take a free human race to acclimatize or how well they will to this like poisoned landscape. So I, I think that's what they're getting at. So so wait. So what you're telling me here is this impure environment that's been diversified way beyond what was expected uh, has is, is something that this uh, red-headed uh, authoritarian uh, leader here is railing against. And he wants to bring it back to the halcyon days of when it was great before. That's exactly what I'm telling you. <laughs> He's going to make the world great again. I, I really, th I mean, I, I think it's a really good comparison. I really, th he's a guy who has these conservative values in a way. He, every, everywhere they go, he marvels at what the old world was and all these rituals and all these things that humanity lost. And I think in his mind, one, if, say, next week they overthrew the Martians, it was just going to be, you know, all these bands of humans were going to come out again. They were going to turn, like, the power plants back on. 
you know, like the get the economy going again and just it was going to be business as usual or that was what his goal was going to be is to recreate the past and i really think that this issue with the the metaphors and the symbolism is is him showing that that isn't this kill raven anymore that i'm not going to shoot question or shoot first and ask questions later i'm going to be analyzing and i have to kind of let go of this past that this butterfly woman that i first took as a foe Maybe that's not necessarily what this is. I'm tired of conflict. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of this way of thinking. I have to evolve to think differently if I'm going to win this war, if I'm going to be able to create this 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 next morning. So I think this whole issue is about him being wary of the now, the constant fighting, because he references that multiple times, but also his uncertainty of what follows and how he has to change his thinking to to get past that to create that next day fair enough and, and yes it, it is definitely a, a, about fucking no longer it, it seems to be a, as we're going through this and kind of uh hearing your analysis of it it's definitely not something where it's trying to get him to release this way that the, the past and the nostalgia for the past has over him and just be willing to embrace this kind of messy but strangely beautiful future that is there if he could ever get past this whole messy Martian invasion thing. Yeah, um, I could be completely off base on, on my analysis. Like I said, I was reading a lot of this dialogue and text. And I mean, we're not stopping to read every caption box or whatnot. You guys should check the issue out for yourself. But I mean, a lot of this... Th- I think particularly in Marvel at this time period, they would bludgeon you over the head with the with their uh, with what the metaphor was and what the message was, and I thought this was fairly opaque. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Uh, it is uh, it is definitely not a, a, an overt narrative. Uh, it's the subtext is absolutely. Uh, it's open to interpretation, but I really like your interpretation so far. I'm willing to go with it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I thank you. Like I said, I, I put a lot of time. Into this. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I'm on board this ship, and I like the course you set. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you don't have this. The, the the subliminal subliminal context going on what you have left is a really short and as i i think i said this before we started recording you have this really short almost canned story yeah it, it blew me away how short this is it's literally it's Killwave wandering for a half page he finds mishula they have a bit of a flashback they talk. They talk about this conflict with this butterfly woman. Then it gets resolved in like a page. There's really not a lot happens, but so they right. They I maybe they they realize that this was short or this was supposed to be like a uh, there's going to be a B story or, or something like with a different like how we saw in earlier issues and that's why they did some of these interstitials. I don't know, but how they padded it out. Like I said, if this was a final issue. They weren't doing like an action conclusion, but I really think it's all about the evolution of Kill Raven the character. Right, right, yeah. It, it's, I, I mean, initially I was a little disheartened by this because it was so short. It was just so incredibly brief, and 
there was not a bunch of substance to the story they gave you. No. And and, and the cryptic little interims that are scattered about and, and the I mean, God, I want to freaking hype it up and say it was like this stunning conclusion. But frankly, it was a little meh unless you look at it through the context of it being another stage of his character growth and metamorphosis into this new mindset. I think that's what this is supposed to be. Right. So so minus having, you know, you subtract that level of insight you're really left with something that falls kind of flat, kind of, you know, like like a partially fucking toasted piece of toast with jam on it just plops down on the fucking floor and you no idea what to do with it. But when you add that, that the, the flavoring of that context, it, it turns it into something that's somewhat more fulfilling and, and, and palatable than this like appetizer of a story that they kicked over here. Yeah, I I think I I enjoy it because of how much time I I had to put into the analysis. Oh, I I found this word balloon uh it, that I was looking for. It's early in the issue. Killraven says, "Um, while I staggered through the river, I recalled her eyes during our first meeting. They bled hate and sorrow. I lost the concrete boundaries of our war, yet knew it was more than worlds for which we fought." And I cannot tell you how much I read that trying to decode that. So I think what he's saying here is when I lost the concrete boundaries of our war, things from the first issue on is very easy. Everywhere they go, there's Martians or Martian agents. They're the bad guys. He was locked in a very rigid good guy, bad guy scenario. And suddenly there's this, uh, it's ambiguous who this butterfly woman is and if she's friend or foe and why are they fighting and, and, and if, if they are enemies. So he lost that certainty. But then he says, it was a battle our ancestors fought, an individual battle with something vaguely defined but important to lose if the fight is not waged. Yesterday, I saw all the nonsense stripped away. And so again, this is something that I read nine or ten times trying to decode. It was a battle our ancestors fought, an individual battle, with something vaguely defined but important. And I think that that's what he's, like, What going back to the morning metaphor, what the ancestors were fighting when they were fighting the Martians is they were fighting for humanity's future. Right. It's something that's vaguely defined but important. I think you could say it's the future or hope, hope for the future. There you go. Um... Anyway, that uh, takes us back to Killraven is having his psychedelic uh, butterfly wing trip. <laughs> um, she lifts him up in the air. This is super cool. And she, this is very cinematic. They're like 40, 50 feet off the ground and he has his pistol in her face. And they're kind of struggling, but Killraven holds off on shooting her. And she ends up just throwing him back in the water and flying off. Right, yeah. She she definitely has a almost a manic expression as she's doing it. And this is cool because uh, when he it blurs back, that was a flashback again of their encounter with her when they all got separated. And now we're back to the, the present with Mashula. And the caption is, 
the present blurs again, renewed by Ravage, uh, but ravaged by the memories. And I'm wondering if maybe, like, her her wings or something actually maybe have, like, a psychedelic effect, and that's why he's bouncing between the two time periods, because that's some sort of, like, narcotic effect of the uh, the wings. Dude, he's butterfly acid tripping. That's that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, so cool. they they hear something, and they go into this clearing, and they find the missing Kiwi brother, Camilla, and Old Skull. And Old Skull is playing his flute, but it's almost like a hookah. It has like look. It looks like a. It looks like he's vaping bunch of steam or smoke is coming out of it which i think that was maybe them just supposed to show music but it's odd uh, i half expected when i looked at this panel to to look closer and find that he was sitting on top of a giant mushroom and his next word bubble would be who are you <laughs> <laughs> so kill raven he has a, he almost a, both him and mashula almost have like an anime-esque surprise look on their face and they have a giant question mark in their word balloon yeah <laughs> like huh so we get a very quick wrap up here uh old skull is playing his flute which he says butterflies really enjoy his flute playing but uh just to sum this up it's um she was able to telepathically communicate with Camilla and Old Skull and learn that she was uh, enraged because Killraven killed her young when he blew up the cocoon, but that she were they were able to communicate back and forth that this was not there was an accident. Killraven didn't know what it was. Uh, he didn't not he didn't uh, it was not his purpose to destroy her her offspring. So she's able to to forgive them. <laughs> which i hope kill raven took a lesson from that yeah so i'm gonna read this last page and i want to get your thoughts on this all right so it, this is the interim three uh migration what do you fear because uh, we have two we have two competing pack caption boxes one in like pink and one is green do you think that that's supposed to be like them having a a, a uh like a psychic communication uh, yes. So, what do you fear? The pain that comes when the question is asked, also the answer. But you will ask it despite that? Yes, then ask. Where do they go and why? And what she's doing here is she's releasing her butterflies and they're flying away. Yep. Where do they go and why? They do not know, say that is meant for them. They do not need a reason. They are individual flyers heeding the same call. And you will let them go? There is no other choice. Ask the question, Killraven. No. Are you afraid to ask the question? Yes. Look at it out there in the sunsets and dawns. You see it. You have seen it before. The truth unaltered, and one day you will have to face it. So again, I think that truth is that there is no going back. That humanity's the humanity's destiny that was that they were that they were bound for before the Martian invasion is gone forever. There is no going back. It doesn't matter what artifacts you find, what war you win. That future of humanity is gone. That's not what you're fighting for. It's what you think you've been fighting for this whole time, but you need to forge this new path. And I think that that is the truth that he's having trouble, that he's had trouble facing. I'd say that is a rather succinct and accurate analysis. Okay. It feels like we cruise through this 
But uh, again, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of action. It was a lot of this 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 metaphor. Yeah, well, I I tend to cruise through everything. No, oh, no! unless you're on cruise control. <laughs> you know, I mean, gosh, this this one was a short one. Um, it felt very short. And and this, I, I mean, I guess I guess this is their way of kind of you know having him ride off into the sunset. Uh, but you know, figuratively and, and, and as far as like his, his emotional and mental kind of outlook of looking at things, it's it's a it's it's a shift in perspective, and that harkens that you know him going forth into a new day, a dawning of a new era, and so on and so forth. But I wish they could have done it in a little different of a manner. But a little uh, less opaque too. Yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah. Something a little, you know, something a little more transparent, where you didn't have to read between the lines so much, would have been awesome. And God, I think Morning Glory, Morning, Morning, uh, ah, shit, Morning Prey could have been. I mean, number one, she would have been an awesome fucking, you know, antagonist. Uh, but even in the role that she's in. Now she's a really interesting character that could have stood with some more development, but you know all good things come to an end, and you know for this to be the end of the astonishing, the amazing adventures run, I hate to say it, it was a little underwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, you could. This is definitely you could tell was not something they had planned. That Don McGregor. If he had had several issues notice, I think he would have uh, ended things differently. And like we've talked about, this is definitely not the end of the road for Killraven. I was looking back on some of his adventures. I actually have a, a file that has uh, a bunch of sporadic appearances he's done. He has a graphic novel from the 80s that I, uh, I picked up. I forgot that he was in uh, the Avengers Forever stories from the late 90s. Like, like a small role there. But yeah, he has, there was the alternate reality Killraven that, like, he had a limited series in the 2000s, but again, that's not the same Killraven. Um, they were supposed to do another graphic novel where he goes to Mars and defeats the Martians once and for all. He, uh, he appeared in the Invaders run from 2013, and he was in a Marvel Zombies run that actually finishes uh, the war with Mars. So uh, I, I, I de definitely think we're going to Kind of, we're going to return to Kill Raven and sporadically cover some of that content to finish out his story arc. But yeah, this is it. We're done with this, like volume, quote unquote, volume one of Kill Raven. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a good run. I, 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 I really wish they didn't have Old School doing that. That, 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 that's all, folks. <laughs> the bottom got so fucking annoying. He did that in another issue, and we both talked about how annoying that was. Yeah, well, but other than that, um, I, 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 this was a really beautiful issue, though. Yeah, I, I really liked it because I really had to work. Like I said, I, I spent a lot of time on some of these uh, captions trying to figure out the metaphor. Like I said, I could be way off base on it, but that's that's what I pulled out of it. Right, I, 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 I gotta say that, and I, I know I've said it already, and I'm just gonna say it again. This was definitely one of the best looking issues that they've done. 
Yeah, you could tell uh, that uh, they had really put a lot into this uh, uh, visually to give it a good send-off. Yeah. Which, this is our send-off uh, for the series. This is a rite of passage for us. We like it. It's a little bit di- uh, weird because we've already recorded part of the first Star Trek a- uh, episode. So we've already read the first issue for Star Trek. So it's, it's a little less bittersweet because of that. Because I'm real excited to get to that stuff. But I, I like the fact that we're not done with Kill Raven. That we'll, we'll come back to him here eventually. Yeah. And, and I look forward to it. But, you know, all good things must come in. And uh, we must metamorphosize into what we're going to be doing next. Which I'm profoundly excited for. I mean, this has definitely been a really great way to uh, ring out the year. And uh, I am excited for what's coming over the horizon. I'm, I'm glad we managed to, to get a Punish Sember done for this year, which was phenomenal. If you guys have not listened to the Punish Sember uh, episode, please do. Uh, it was definitely, I'd say, one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I love the issue. I love the episode. Uh, you guys should definitely check that out. Tis the season. Yeah, tis the season to be very dead. <laughs> tis the season to have an hors d'oeuvres of someone's head. Tis the uh, season to be violated and murdered by some uh, uh, symbiote tentacles. It, oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely a great issue. Um, and uh, we, we've got some, some new and exciting things coming to the forefront. And I have not forgotten, before this year is through, I will have that fucking map. <laughs> I've been working on it in bits and pieces, but it has been a rather hectic week, so I have not made as much progress as I wanted to. No worries. But I am, I, I am working on the map, and the map will get done. And it will be fucking posted before the end of this fucking year. Yeah, I, I look forward to seeing it. Um, I look forward to making it. Where can we find you? Oh, you can find me on the Instagrams because I'm not a TikTok boy. At <laughs> 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 uh, Comic Book Dungeon Podcast on at Instagram. You can email us at comicbookdungeonpodcast.com. You can find us on our website where you can comment on these episodes, and that is at comicbookdungeonpodcast.podient.co, and you can, through uh, the discuss links there, uh, leave us some comments, and you can find me at BrokenLMD on Twitter. Fuck yeah. Just remember, boys and girls, keep turning them pages. And remember, banish those caterpillars and replace them with delicate butterflies. And delude yourself into believing you'll never have to face it. Fuck yeah. yeah. I'm all for a little delusion. <laughs> Whatever the... <laughs> Whatever the... <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Yeah, that's it. This is the end of an era.
because nobody ever suspects the butterfly. <laughs> I didn't burn down the school. It was the butterfly, I tell you. The butterfly. He's crazy, boys. Get the taser. <laughs>